Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for you? And that's what I taught myself how to draw, was actually the Little Mermaid, drawing stills of Ariel. I've got better things to do tonight than die. jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater and saying, I'm going to write Halloween I'm rather impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the corner. It doesn't have to be perfect, just do it. You know, throw some spaghetti against the wall. This is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening to the entire Once Upon a Podcast Network. It is going so well, and I really hope that you have enjoyed the debut of the newest show, Audio Drama Sunday Theater, which is presenting Excelsior, the audio journey. And so I am very excited about that. And I'm also excited for everything else with the Once Upon a Podcast Network, including this show. We're currently on season seven, and I'm so glad that you've been here with us for over 200 episodes. It's been a fantastic ride so far, and I can't wait to see what the rest of this network has in store for all of us in the future. One of the great things that I discovered when I made the move here to St. Louis in 2011 was not only how welcoming a writer's community St. Louis had, but also how many people are into the marketing aspect and doing their part to make sure that all of these amazing authors have the tools to succeed. And as we start International Podcasting Month, it is a perfect time to bring in my guest for this week, Bob Baker. Bob is not only a fellow author from the St. Louis area, but he's also one of the most amazing marketers marketers that I have that I've ever known. The man is a constantly prolific marketer, always getting always reaching out to other people to make sure that they understand what it takes to succeed in this wonderful world of writing. He is also a podcaster in his own right, because I really need to send congratulations to him for passing the five million do- for passing the five million download mark on Buzzsprout for his affirmation meditation podcast. He is also the author of the Empowered Artist, which is available on both paperback and ebook. He is an improv coach. He has a Sunday morning. He has a Sunday morning inspiration show that is up on YouTube. He is constantly letting everyone know that that they have what it takes to succeed in writing and being a creative in general. And so it is a thrill to have Bob here this week. It is my pleasure to introduce my guest, Bob Baker. Bob, how are you, sir? Hey, George, I'm doing great. It's great to connect with you again. And yeah, being fellow St. Louisans, we have actually, even though we're doing this remotely, currently we're both in the same city and we've met in person. Yes, we have. IRL, as the kids like to say. (laughs) Uh, But but thank you for all those kind words. I I appreciate that. Yes, I'm I'm, I'm excited for our conversation today. Simple thing is that everything that, that I've been saying, it's all... It's all legit. Like everything that I've seen you do on Facebook, I've heard you do it on Clubhouse. I've seen you do it in real life. Everything that that you are always doing, 
people are just constantly writing in their notebooks everything that that they're hearing you say because they know what you're about to drop is some incredible value that's that's going to help them in the future. Well, great with that. So that 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 helps me when I notice people in the audience who are who are yawning. Maybe I'm focusing on the wrong <laughs> on, the, on the wrong people. But no, I've been doing this a long time, and yeah, I'd be happy to share whatever aspect of my story you would you would like to to do. But yeah, I've been uh, been kind of encouraging. There's like three values in my life that kind of drive a lot of what I do, and one of them is creativity because I've been involved in the arts in many different forms. One is inspiration. I love the feeling of being inspired, but I also love inspiring others. Mm-hmm. And then like laughter, humor, that's uh, just being, being lighthearted. So that's that's why I, I love to laugh. And that's why I probably was drawn to doing improv comedy and even did stand up years ago for a while. You did um, stand up, really? Yeah, I did for like a 15 year period. Uh, it's been a while. It's been over 20 years since I did officially did stand up. But it's the most challenging thing you'll ever do on in front of a live audience on stage. I have sure. said that I've said that many times. Now now you got you guys can't see this, but Bob has a brick wall background. <laughs> and it's it's perfectly fitting considering that he's done stand up and everything, because when you are when you're doing stand up, it's basically you with a background such as that, some like brick veneer background yeah. and a microphone and maybe a stool with a bottle of water on it, and that's right. it. So and, I, and it and yeah. it's you and your thoughts. Yeah, it is. It is very challenging. You're in the spotlight. I had the advantage of. I also am a musician, and I I added the guitar to my act and did song parodies and wrote funny funny songs. So I used that a little, little bit as a crutch, but it was just like a, an asset that I had that I brought to it that kind of made me stand out too. But that's another. Yeah. Another story you probably didn't even plan on talking about. I um, did not, but uh, yeah. like, and just like you said, stand stand up comedy. That's something that I, I have been. I've been a lover of stand up comedy, and I've never even considered actually like getting up there on the mic and and trying it. I always feel like I would I would immediately be up there and and immediately go dry, just right. not know what to say. And well, yeah, and. Well, with, with stand-up, you're developing a routine. So you go up there with a with a series of jokes that you plan on telling, and then you just and you record all of your sets, and you you start off with open mic nights where you have like three to five minutes on stage. So it's, but that but it seems like a lifetime your first couple times up. Yeah. But you record, and, and then you just, just decide, oh, I just need to tweak that. I need to do the setup different. I need to pause here. And then you keep you playing with it until you hone that joke, or you decide to drop it and try something else, But mm-hmm. which is different than improv, which you're making up on the spot. It's not a, it's not a, a routine, but you're doing that with other people. I usually go with them with a cast of like six people to do an, like a two-hour improv show with an intermission, and nothing is scripted, nothing is memorized, just Ooh. a list of games that we're going to play. And that's another thing that intimidates a lot of people but at least you're not up there by yourself <laughs> that is true that that is very true and yeah, yeah this i mean you you're you, you're you're so prolific with everything you do that it's very easy to just kind of say that like we're going to talk about one thing and wind up just talking about two hours <laughs> yeah <I know. laughs> talking about two hours worth like i mean there's so much so much great great history that you have already really? and stuff that i'm just learning now so it's just like it we're adding on to it even more so right. so it's you, you've always been you know, like someone that i've been wanting to have on here and i'm so glad that not only were you were we able to finally make our schedules work that we could have you on here but then also to be on during international podcasting month 
which I had only found out about recently. And it just seemed that it was a serendipitous thing that I planned on using September to really kind of have other podcasters on to kind of give them the spot, a little share of the spotlight over here and hopefully expand their, their listenership. But when it comes to expanding listenership, you get it. You go ahead and hit past the five million yeah. download mark. That was on Buzzsprout. Yeah, that was. I mean, I could tell you the story about that if you want. But uh, we yeah, hit, of we course, hit the, we hit the back up. You want to go into that now, or you want to? Are, are you have any let's, Well, let's. Yeah. yeah, we'll we'll definitely we'll definitely get do that. But yeah, we'll definitely start at the beginning of that form. But since we are, since this is International Podcasting Month, we'll focus primarily on the podcasting. And but I know that like whatever like you you bring like everything you have in you yeah. to everything you do. I've done a lot so, of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. So <laughs> I'm curious to know like where this all started. So I love to hear about what I like to call the lightning bolt moment. And that's that moment in time when you experience something or listen to someone, meet someone, see something and just say like, Ooh, that's what I want to do. That's the kind of life I want to lead. Oh, cool. So for yeah. you, like with writing, with stand up, with marketing, with and it's all about entertainment. It's all about like harnessing your creative muscle. Right. Where did that muscle really get that first jump start? Where well, did it start? Yeah, well, I'm glad that you mentioned light bulb moments. I have two that really go way back. And I, I'm very blessed that that, I, that my right livelihood it's is something that I can trace back to childhood because not a lot of people can. And you ask them, What's your passion? What do you, you know, what's your mission in life? And a lot of people go, I have no clue. But luckily, I think if you're blessed to, to also be able to trace this back to when you were a kid, then yeah, it's, it's a, it's a nice thing to have. But I remember grade school. I remember I would write these little silly stories just on my own outside of schoolwork. I mean, we could talk about like fourth grade or something, but I write, and back then I was writing like Godzilla movie kind of <laughs> fan fiction, I guess is oh, what, on two, on two sheets, on two sides of a, well, those blue line, there were mm-hmm. short short stories or alien invasions or something. And I, and I was just doing this on my own and I would share them with friends. And I remember one day being in a class and there was a delay, the class getting started. And I just kind of said, Hey, I got a new story here. I remember all these hands reaching out going, Oh, let me read it first. Let me read it first. And something clicked in my young mind. That was a light bulb or lightning strike moment where I said, wow, there are people that want to read something that I just thought up in my mind Mm-hmm. An idea I had, I put it in a, some sort of a tangible form. I mean, I wasn't using these words as words, right, right. right. But still, yeah. the, it's like, the hey, I came that, up with a story. You know, yeah, this. I came up with something that people want to read. Something that I created. Wow, that is really. Mm-hmm. I, I like this, and so no wonder I ended up publishing. Well, I can. I'll get to that in a minute. Like publishing a, a, a local music newspaper for ten years. I don't know mm-hmm. about that. Publishing books, sixteen physical books over the last. 30 years. And then maybe in fifth or sixth grade, I was kind of a shy kid. I actually lacked a lot of confidence, but, and, and my, I was raised by my mom, single mom, and mm-hmm. she was not a performer. She was kind of a quiet woman too, but she liked music. She loved dancing. And so she played like Elvis songs and things from the fifties in her era when I was a kid growing, growing up. So I was always exposed to music. And I guess around the house, I would sing along with these and mimic the singers. And we were over at a family gathering one time where this kind of 18-year-old cousin or whatever was getting up, and he's kind of like an early version of karaoke. He was playing a vinyl record and singing along with it. Mm-hmm. And my mom said, oh, Bob knows some of these Elvis Presley songs. And I went, what? And so I got up and started singing one of the, I don't know, Hound Dog or Jailhouse Rock or something. Right. Very timid at first. And then the people in the living room there started 
applauding and cheering and, and egging me on. Then I started giving a little hip swivel. And I knew these songs, and so I was singing them accurately because I just heard them and I practiced just play them around the house anyway i remember i played the song and like the, the room in my little mind it erupted into a, a applause and i remember collapsing down on the couch next to my mom and thinking that's really cool i want to do that again mm-hmm. <laughs> nice I a way to do this more often and now, so so yeah then i ended up playing guitar playing in bands through high school mm-hmm. and and in my 20s played full-time for a while and continue with my wife pookie lee and i mm-hmm written albums worth of material and continue to perform part-time to Mm -hmm. to this day. So it's no wonder then, yeah, in my late 20s, I combined these two passions of music and writing and had this idea to publish a a spotlight magazine is what I called it. And it covered the local music scene in St. Louis. And I did that for 10 years from 1987 to 1997. Did did you even know about that, George? Or? I did not. I oh, did yeah. not. And I love the fact that, that you mentioned that it started for you in fourth grade, because when I was in fourth grade and in between assignments, my friends and I would start drawing these characters that were based on stuff that we would watch. So my era, there was Star Wars, there was Transformers, there was G.I. Joe, Voltron, like all the all the great stuff that the that the FCC allowed on. And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And we were able to just like, just kind of create our own little group of characters. And those characters became the spark that would eventually lead me to creating Excelsior himself in 1992, which is the main character of my books. Oh, wow. So, so it's, it's funny that you say like in fourth grade, how all that really kind of started for you because yeah, that's where it started for me too. Something about that year, um, something about fourth grade. It's kind of like we're it's like yeah. the the creative muscles are are starting to starting to move in a way that you're starting to get like, OK, like if I do this, then this sort of thing can happen or like I don't have to just draw these characters. I don't have to try to draw Optimus Prime because my artistic ability was always next to nothing, but I can just create my own. And they would be inspired by it. And so I did a lot of what you did. Like, instead of fan fiction, I did like a reverse fan fiction. So I was taking these original characters and I was mining everything that I was watching before that. And so all those, all those elements, they all went into my stories that I just filled steno notebooks with. Because I cool. knew they weren't going to go anywhere. It was just like, it was all like a writing exercise for me. That's um, interesting. Yeah. So, and, yeah. I, and I start, even though as a timid kid, I started sharing them. I don't remember how I started mm-hmm. letting other friends read them. And then word got around. And then the teacher, I remember a teacher like caught me or something doing it. And then maybe she had me get up and read one in class. Maybe that was what got the word out or something. Oh. She thought she was punishing me, but actually it led to it led to people knowing, Oh, Bob's a writer. And when he's got a new story, I want to read it. Yeah. When my, my sophomore year in high school, that's when I really kind of pivoted from making like these comic strip, like setups, one sheets into actually like prose and just like filling the notebooks with, with paragraphs and paragraphs of these stories. And one of my classmates asked to take a look at it and he came back and it was just like, and he wasn't somebody that I really, fraternized with or anything he just just happened to take a look at it. he was just like oh this is really good and so i put him in as like a a secondary character just like so, like someone in the background someone who was mentioned That's and cool. then it, and then that prompted me to 
do that with other people. So then I was like peppering in my friends and making them like supporting characters. So they wanted to, that gave them the impetus to want to read it because then they wanted to know what happened to them. And so like I had, I had friends who were girls who would like, who would marry, who would get involved with these characters. And so they would wind up being like significant others to them. And they got a real kick out of that. So it was just like, all right, I like this. This is fun. It's, it's a great, great lesson, and people enjoy seeing themselves in that whatever art they're consuming. I mean, they may not literally be seeing their names, but if yeah, if you can do things that are relatable, where they mm-hmm. picture themselves in that the role or whatever, so that yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Very similar stories here. Yeah, yeah, it was it. was it was a lot of fun to do, and and it kind of gave me the confidence to really kind of share my stuff a little bit more. And then even in in the first Excelsior novel, there is a scene. In, that takes place in a classroom, and I threw in names of my classmates then, as just like a little homage to the, to the time when I would do that. Almost so, like little inside jokes for those people that that read it will go, oh, I know what he's talking about there. Exactly, exactly. Cool. Yeah. So so having done that, you were performing, and since you said that you you wound up writing out like several albums worth did you ever record any of those albums oh yeah the the, the original songs i mean yeah yeah I re- i've been i've been recording off and on for yeah got starting back well, i think i rather started recording some things in, in the 80s or late 80s mm-hmm. and yeah there's there's albums that are, have been available in physical cds if, if, if people even <laughs> use those anymore certainly i've got a number of albums in the digital realm and we're writing all the time like yeah, my wife and I have been pretty prolific in recent years. Not all of it is recorded. You mentioned our Sunday live streams on YouTube. That's actually where we debut a lot of our new songs, is play them live during the oh, live broad- broadcast. And then eventually, as I get around to it, I'll, we'll properly re- re- record them. And then we perform once a month at this place called the Center for Spiritual Living, mm-hmm. where we play three or four songs there once a month. We perform mm-hmm. at, their, at their Sunday service. So, but don't really gig out a whole lot with music these days. But, uh, but yeah, so I just, but music has just been a constant ever since that, that, that time I sang an Elvis song. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> terrific. That room years ago. That you is, know? that is terrific. And so, so what was it that eventually got you to try stand up? Oh, so yeah. Then, so in, when I, in my mid 20s, and this is, I'm 63 now, and so we're talking like mm-hmm. the 80s, which is my this is, that was the that was that was my jam musically. Yeah. It was a very prolific decade, and again, I was I was if you had asked friends of mine in grade school or even high school, what's Bob's future, especially the early years of high school before I started playing the guitar and jamming and parties and kegger parties and community <laughs> centers and all that they would have said oh he's probably he's going to be a probably an accountant or something because i was very shy very kind of soft-spoken lacked a lot of confidence but and i don't know where this came from because i really don't can't pinpoint a role model like my mom was very supportive but she wasn't like an entrepreneurial role model necessarily but there was something innately within me that was just compelled to follow these things that i was that i was interested in and mm-hmm. and, and and i don't know i was always prone to just take action to like how can i experience this thing firsthand sooner rather than later i did that so so in my 20s i was playing full-time in a band but then i got 
relieved from that band and I had a little extra time. And so I started taking like acting classes at the community college. It was oh, Merrimack wow. and Kirkwood for those who are in St. Louis and started auditioning for plays. And so I was doing plays. So I was acting for the first time. We did a particular play where there was some improv involved and a guy came in and led us through some improv ex- exercises um simultaneously a friend of mine was going to open mic nights at the funny bone here and mm-hmm. was encouraging me to, to do that so like the same year like 1985 i was 24 25 back back then i went to my first open mic night and then a few months Ooh. later a group of us theater friends formed our first Im- improv troupe it was actually half Im- improv like you would see well whose line is it anyway wasn't around back back yeah. then but that kind of short form improv and then half sketch comedy so i actually wrote some oh, sketch fun. comedy too so yeah improv sketch comedy stand-up all came that i was like in my mid-20s and i did that and then a couple of years later i started publishing this local new- newspaper so I don't recommend this for everyone but i went nuts <laughs> like late 20s and through i in, well into my 30s i was doing all these things simultaneously playing in bands yeah. publishing a newspaper staying very active very creatively fulfilled or, or very mm-hmm. re- re- rewarding but and like you know, i was single then i didn't have a whole lot of financial responsibilities so i could live pretty cheaply but boy just eking out a living though because i was just spreading myself so thin so yeah. i did it some and then by the time i was in my late th- 30s um I, I had a daughter. She was a toddler. She was married and I went through a divorce. So I had financial responsibilities then. Then I said, mm-hmm. I, I had to ask myself, so what, what can I do? Cause I was always stubbornly determined, even though I've had day jobs, I was always mm-hmm. stubbornly determined to do something that was in the self-employment area. I always knew I wouldn't be happy working for somebody else. And so mm-hmm. how can I use my gifts and find a way to be rewarded for it, provide value and, be compensated for that as a self-employed solo entrepreneur. And I decided that my first book was published actually in the, in the early nineties, like 30 years ago, 93. Oh, wow. It was on a book on how to make money in the music business. But that, then I quickly, that was published by a small company in San Diego. And then within a couple of years, I published my first self-published book called the Guerrilla Music Marketing Handbook, which I took a, a collection of articles that I had written in my that newspaper I was publishing and just put them yeah. in a three ring binder. Yeah, yeah, back in the day, like yeah. when you were self-publishing, it was just like it was you bought like a whole bunch of copies, overpriced copies and mm-hmm. set them up in your garage and oh, there yeah. you self-published. So, yeah, those were the days. Those that was a dark time for the rebellion. Like back in yeah. and <laughs> I didn't that have period. Them. I didn't have the money for an offset run of books. Yeah. Our pallet of books of sitting. I didn't even have a garage or a baby. Maybe I had a baby. Yeah. But yeah. so I was like, what can I do? So that, a lot of people would let those, maybe that's just something. Yeah. I got an instinct of mine that I think led to my success is that I didn't accept, okay, here's the barriers. I can't afford that. I'm just not going to do it. No. So well, yeah. what can I do? How can I take a baby step toward this thing? Well, I can go to Kinko's at the time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you there's print, that yeah print things on on a three hole punch paper put it in a three ring binder and i did have a little bit of an audience from my local newspaper mm-hmm. i had i was been writing these columns in my own paper with musical success tips because as a as a someone who published a local music or a music newspaper for a decade i had access to i interviewed a lot of people at all different levels local bands mid-level touring acts even some well-known names. I interviewed Cheryl Crow 30 years ago in her first album oh, wow. when nobody knew who she was. And she was living in St. Louis at the time. 
And we met at a little uh, cafe in the central West End. And I interviewed her for like 45 minutes. And we had a great chat. Little did I know that six months later, her songs would be all over the radio. But so, um, yeah, that was around the time of All I Want to Do, right? Yeah, that, that, that was the first the first hit like six months later. That was all over the radio. All I want to wow. do is have yep. some fun. But I wasn't intimidated. Meaning is I didn't know who she was. She was the album had not even really come out. She was getting ready yeah. to tour. And I remember, but yeah, she was, she was great. But so I would like pick the brains of all these people that I was interviewing, just being mm-hmm. a curious musician myself. I, and then I would put that stuff into a monthly column. And then those columns became the early chapters of the first guerrilla music marketing handbook. And it mm-hmm. put me on the map. I embraced the internet, this new thing back in the nineties and started spreading my message on music marketing tips. And lo and behold, I got on the, it, it, gave me a foothold where I became a voice sort of for independent artists who were seeking this independent path, which was kind of contrary because the late nineties was the height, like 99, I think was the height of the traditional music business with NSYNC and Britney Spears and all that. Mm -hmm. And so everybody wanted to get a record deal and get an A&R person and all this. And I was like, not preaching that message at all. I was going, Hey, create your own success story, build your own (laughs) fan base. And I was one of one of the early voices stating that. So when Napster, MP3s, iTunes, all this stuff came around in the 2000s, I'd already kind of established myself in that in that in that realm, mm-hmm. and benefited greatly from it. And sales of my Guerrilla Music Marketing Handbook took off. I the print I, paperback digital printing became available, and I just kind of rode that 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 wave it was selling i was selling ebook downloads pdf ebook downloads like long before there was a kindle store or anything Mm -hmm. so i just kind of like just was determined to sort of spread my message and i took this approach of not going through the middlemen i didn't go through a publisher i didn't go through a distributor or libraries i went right to the end user which is a valuable lesson still to this to this day i said how can i reach the musicians themselves with my message so they'll either buy directly from me or from Amazon or they'll go to their record. They'll go to their music stores and go, Hey, do you carry this, this book? And then they'll pull it through the system instead of me pushing it through the, the, the uh, traditional distribution system. And that seemed to work for many years. Wow. You know, so I threw a lot at, at you there, but <laughs> well, that, I mean, yeah, I mean, just, just kind of like unpacking everything. I was just like, you start, you got into stand up at a time in the 1980s when everyone was getting that stand, the stand-up clubs going like in yeah, yeah. not, not just like over in New York, like they were constantly popping up because the stand-up scene really kind of exploded in it the eighties. You're, you're right. Like, you, yeah. you had like, you had HBO on location, you had the HBO comedy hour, you had like so much, all these different comedy specials, you had studios that were record companies that I mean, that were setting up, that were setting up deals with comedians to go right. ahead and get their their sets out there and everything. So like that was amazing timing there. And yeah, then, of course, I didn't and, know that that was going to happen. But oh I no, to, no, but, you just you know, like it I was lucked, I lucked out. Yeah, I rode that wave. And one thing I didn't mention was that. So I never pursued stand up full time. I remember because a lot of people did hit the road and they and I wasn't I just and then but I was starting my newspaper so I really couldn't leave or just couldn't travel and then mm-hmm. the life on the road wasn't very appealing to to me so I chose to do both music and stand up and all these things part time but there were all these clubs every month there was a club going hey let's do a comedy night yeah. so I was like the go-to guy for many of them who would MC and I would bring in my open mic friends. Here, I'll, I'll drop another name here. This is going again. We're going back to the late '80s, but so I had this sort of uh, collection of well, some of the better up and coming comics who would work pretty cheap. Yeah, back, back then, with, and one of them was Cedric the Entertainer. 
No kidding. Yeah, he's born and raised here in St. Louis. And, wow. And so I would call him up and go, hey, Cedric, like, can you come down and do like 30 minutes for like, I got 40 bucks for you nice. or whatever. And, and he would he, do it, right? He would do it. Yeah, he would come down. And so I haven't talked to him since those days, but uh, he's he's done pretty well for himself. Oh, I, th- I think so. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely think so. <laughs> but like, but yeah, I mean, like there's, it's one thing to say that it was luck, but it's another thing. It was like everything that you're, that you were doing. It just happened to be right at where it needed to be. And you were there with the skills and everything to back it up. So it's not just like, it's not like they just, the, the comedy gods just said like you get up here or anything. You were getting yourself out there. You were getting yourself out there and take advantage of those or take action on those, those opportunities. And another thing, that I just a lesson for creative people in particular, like everybody says, Oh, you can't make any money with music or art or writing or whatever. But I never really bought in to that. So I've not Mm -hmm. that you have to monetize everything that you do. There's, there's times when you should just do art for art's sake, just for the creative to scratch that creative itch. But I found ways to monetize my art. So back when a lot of the stand-up comics were complaining about they couldn't get much stage time at the Funny Bone, and you were lucky to if you, you couldn't even get on every week at open mic because there's so many people showing up, and so they were just complaining, "Oh, the Funny Bone should do this, or they should just pointing fingers." And so right. I asked the better questions, like, "What do I want? Okay, I want to get more stage time. Okay, how can mm-hmm. I get more stage time?" And I remembered there's still this this club that's around. Uh, you may you, you may be aware of it's called Off Broadway down in the South City. Okay, uh, yeah. near where the old Lemph Brewery is. It's and they. I had just recently met the owners. I'd stopped in. A friend of mine was bartending there, so I went to Off Broadway, talked to the owners, and I said, "Hey, what are you doing here during the week, like on Wednesday nights?" So they said, "Oh, nothing really. We're open, but there's no live entertainment or anything." I said, "How about if I do a weekly comedy show here?" Oh, it's not going to nice. cost you anything. I'll set the whole thing up. I'll MC it. I'll get the, I'll get the talent to to come because my open mic night friends are looking for stage time, right? Mm-hmm. So let's charge five bucks at the at the, at the at the door, and that'll be my fee. I'll get that money, and then people come in and buy drinks and food. And I did that for like a year and a half, and and I got my my comedy friends a lot of stage time. I got a lot of stage time and learned to MC. And then when my improv group started we did like the second half of the show. That was our first performing space. So basically I mm. created my own opportunity when everyone go. else was just complaining about no opportunities. It's something that Jason Alexander actually, he's got a, a video that went viral. Uh, I think like in the past few months or so. And it was basically like all about that. He said that we're at an age when it comes to actors, we're at a time right now where you can't just sit by the phone. Right. You have to create, you have to be a producer. You have to get yourself out there in ways that will, that will benefit, that will benefit you, that will create a name for yourself. So that way, when people, when you're out there and you're creating these opportunities, then all of a sudden people with bigger opportunities are reaching out to you because they've seen you on the stages that you've already set yourself up on. Yeah. So, and I've benefited from that, just being active online. What my book, a later incarnation of my book, the guerrilla music marketing handbook mm-hmm. appeared in the movie, the school of rock with Jack black. No kidding. Yeah. And that's, and I just got a random email. This is like, this is also 20 years ago. Jesus, where I got an email and this guy going, Hey, I'm collecting props, from Paramount pictures. And, uh, and uh, we could use a, can you send a copy of your book? 
I just send a, no mon, no money exchange hands. I yeah. just send a waiver or, or an agreement to let them use it and, and mm-hmm. mailed it off. And it, it actually appeared in the uh, in the movie. And that's because I had a book out there. It was they, I don't know if you found mm-hmm. it on Amazon or just Googling at the time. I've got a lot of media exposure over the years. Like I was on NPR on their morning edition on Market Watch. I've been in a lot of uh, The Guardian in the UK and a lot of decent media exposure. But I they all came to me looking for a music marketing expert or something related to what I was doing and sought yeah. me out because I was active online and and discoverable, you mm-hmm. might say. So yeah. again, by even though I wasn't, yeah, just by just by getting your stuff out there, not waiting to be discovered, not waiting mm-hmm. for permission or a publisher, just doing your own thing. Yeah, it can pay many benefits. It's admittedly harder these days to stand out. Well, yeah, but, because, but, because no. like everyone, because yeah, there are a lot of people that are doing that. But at the same time, if you don't you do have, it, when you yeah. have a name out there, like when you have, when you've built up a name for yourself, you got to use it. And it's funny that, that with everything that you've been doing, following all like not even following these trends but just getting them just before they become a trend yeah it seems like it seems like it's only natural that you should get into podcasting yeah yeah so here we here we are with international podcasting month upon us by the time people hear this it's going to be september 12th so we're going to be right in the middle of it so what was it about podcasting that really made you want to to get it up there any in the first place. So yeah, so this is I guess by now you kind of got the idea that I have embraced the internet, I embraced technology dating mm-hmm. back to the 90s, right? And so again, I was always on a mission to spread my message, to inspire people. And first I was reaching musicians, then I was reaching authors and creative people. I kind of widened the net over the years to to include just creative people of all kinds. Mm-hmm. Um and I embraced whatever technology I was. If I was hearing a lot about something and yeah. I thought it would be a good avenue to get the word out, I would jump on it. So I started blogging in 2004. I did mm-hmm. my first podcast in 2005. Oh, really? You know, yeah. And then I got on YouTube in 2006. That first podcast, I think it was called Artist Empowerment Radio. I was thinking more about broadening the net, not just making for, for musicians. And so I started that in, yeah, in 2005. And, and the thing is... What was admitted. the format for? I'm I'm curious to know, like, what was the format for it? Was it Blog Talk Radio or is it? No, I just no. I've, I'm aware of. It's funny. This uh, somebody else brought up Blog Talk Radio, which was was very prominent back back in the day. But I, yeah. I didn't use. I think I just. I don't know if I used just uploaded it myself and used Feed Burner. I've used different different ways of getting it distributed. Mm-hmm. Feed Feed Burner, which was a Google thing that's no longer supported, I think was one way to get it out through an RSS feed. I, but I, yeah. yeah, the technology back then was really kind of tough to primitive. Yeah, yeah, it was primitive compared Crow to Magnet, you know, knuckles dragging everything today. <laughs> yeah, but I got it out there and some, and I was able to get it on, I guess whatever, well, whatever the podcasting options were back then. But it was, and it was started off with me solo, just like either reading from my books or, or, or just talking about some inspiring things. And then I slowly would weave in interviews either in person with a little handheld recorder or mm-hmm. I just kind of up or, but I, but the thing is, since I was doing so many things, I wasn't really consistent with it. So I might publish mm-hmm. a few episodes over the, a few months and then go a year or whatever without publishing anything. So I would kind of, 
I don't know. I, I, who knows what I've done if I'd been more consistent with it. But, yeah. but so I was kind of in and out of it. But I did at least start then, and 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 then I started a second podcast with, on music marketing, and even did a third one for a while for for the full time for for book publishers. That that got a little bit too much because I wasn't even able to focus on one. So yeah. I don't recommend spreading yourself too thin. That's those were some lessons <laughs> that I. You're yeah. talking to someone who co-founded a podcast network just because. Oh, you got the whole network. Yeah. Is that what you mentioned earlier at the top of yeah. the show? Oh, that's your own. Okay. Well, it's 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 kind of my it's it's myself with with two other with two other podcasters okay. and and then we've gotten like other podcasters involved in everything we got like nine shows now so it's it's pretty oh, wow. wild yeah, yeah. but the, that's spread out among multiple people but trying to do thankfully yes nine shows. <laughs> yeah so so basically if you want to know the story behind the five million downloads which you mentioned yes it, i have to talk about the youtube channel first because it was an offshoot of that so okay. i I've been on YouTube since 20, 2006. In the first decade that I was on, I was publishing a whole array of things related to my books, my music, my comedy, family stuff. It was a whole hodgepodge of things. And by late 2016, which was what, seven years ago? Six, seven years ago? Yeah. I had somebody accumulated maybe like 3,600. I was shy of 4,000 subscribers, but that was, that was okay. It took a decade. That's a good get, amount to That's get there. Very good amount. Yeah. And I think at that time I was already a YouTube partner. Yeah, I, I, I was. So I was already monetizing videos and probably making like 15 or 20 bucks a month, maybe on monetization. And then I get this, I was kind of going through a rough period in my life financially and, and kind of like book sales were I was steadily declined over the years. I was kind of looking for something new and just what I needed something to lift my energy, my love, my positivity, my optimism. And I started seeking out like uh, affirmation things on YouTube in particular, guided meditations, just mm. things that I could use. Cause I've been a student of personal development and positive thinking for many, many, for decades. And um, you have to be to, to keep your spirits up while, while pursuing all these different creative outlets. Yeah. And I think that's maybe that's why, even though I didn't have a direct mentor, maybe I just through authors and people that I read and listened to, I was inspired by others, others success stories. And that's the personal work that I did kind of, yeah, lifted me up, gave me the confidence to try things or whatever. But I was seeking things out specifically with affirmations and not really liking what I was finding. I, if you're not resonating with the person's voice or there's something's weird about it, it's kind of hard to really get a benefit from it. So at that mm -hmm. point, I knew my way around audio equipment. I had the software. I've been podcasting for years and been a musician. And so I knew audio and had basic editing skills. So I said, I wonder, I want to put some stuff out of my own. And I actually kind of created this abundance program for myself because I couldn't find what I was looking for and put a couple of those out on my YouTube channel. No plan, no big mm -hmm. expectation that they would do much. And then lo and behold, over the weeks and months, I noticed, oh, wow, these are getting more views than my normal videos just like maybe thousands of, of them compared to hundreds maybe and so it took me a while i was periodically or with over the course of 2017 i would post one every now and then but by the end of the year that year i was, was like this there's something here and i'm mm -hmm. gonna really i'm gonna go full on i just I, I became i doubled down on it and became obsessive about learning best practices about youtube there are t tons of youtube channels about how to grow your youtube channel and just start experimenting and trying things playing with titles themes thumbnails formats and just started posting more and more of these things and lo and behold before i knew it i had twenty thousand subscribers then Whoa. six months later i had forty thousand. Six months Whoa. later it doubled again to 80 wow you know, a few years ago i got it's, it's in the background here 
here, but it, behind the brick wall. Yeah, <laughs> I, got, I got my <laughs> I got my silver plaque for hitting a uh, hundred thousand subscribers. But currently, as we record this in September of twenty twenty three, I'm, I'm I've, I've surpassed three hundred and fifty thousand subscribers to that YouTube channel, where I exclusively wow. do these affirmations kind of guided meditations inspirational spoken word i kind of call it it's not spoken word like poetry stuff but just my voice and then my wife and i stream live every sunday morning as i mentioned we've been doing that for over two and a half years um Mm -hmm. and so so this is like i never saw this coming there was never a business plan related to this i just allowed it to grow and i'm just like loving this chapter of my life i'm Mm -hmm. reaching numbers of people that i never 10 times at least what i used to do as a as a moderately successful author all those all those all those years so four years ago i think it was uh i thought oh well i've got and i knew that even though there's a video component because it's on youtube mostly people listen to this stuff I, i spent more time on the audio quality than i did really the video quality mm-hmm. most people listen while they do other things yeah so i said well heck why i need it i should probably make this a podcast too and i was just thinking to myself well it'll be another way to draw people to youtube and so i use buzzsprout which i love it's a yeah mm-hmm. it's a service i think i maybe that's when i started using it when i launched that like four years they they go and i just repurposed the audio content from these videos into yeah. uh, into an audio podcast format and i had no idea that this that alone would also get a ton of downloads. And mm-hmm. so I was surprised when I got that notice from Buzzsprout that I'd hit 5 million total downloads wow. since it started. And now it's like a hundred and I've been as high as like a hundred and over the summer, there was this peak of like 190,000 downloads in a month. Right now it's like around 130,000 oh. downloads, you know, in a, in a month. I think it's going to go back up in the fall and as we head into the rest of the year, but yeah. that just blows my mind. And there's more and more people when they reach out to me or I meet them or whatever, they say that they follow the podcast. They don't even know about you, YouTube. YouTube's still the biggest format or platform that I have as far as reach and numbers, but yeah. it became like the second most prominent way that I reach people. And it just blows my mind. I'm So I'm creating stuff that there's a need for. Mm-hmm. And I when, one of the things, if you're wondering, well, how did you do that? But I never ran any paid ads. This was all organic using the natural algorithms of each platform. And basically... Yeah. Another way that I'm blessed, not lucky, but blessed is and because mm-hmm. I strategically use these factors is that I'm creating stuff that people are actively searching for. Right. And I'm using the words that they're searching for in the titles and the name, even the name of the podcast, Affirmation Meditation Podcast with Bob Baker. I say what's right is. there. Yeah. yeah. And that clever or cute with the title. I say what. And, and so if people are looking for an affirmation podcast. Um, it's a good chance they're going to find me. Yeah, why not? So, <laughs> that's fan- that is amazing. That is so that is a short so, story. That is so amazing. Yeah, but, but that's like that. yeah, but that's like I mean that is that falls in line with everything that you've done before. Mm-hmm. You were able to get start up start up something at a time when it was when it was starting to become prominent, but then knowing how to properly work it to your advantage. I mean, that's, that's a skill that very few creative people have. Like it's something that there, there are a lot of people that are incredibly creative, but don't really know how to properly market themselves. And when right. I say a lot of people, I mean me. Yeah. Oh, that, that person's looking back at me every single day. And when I see them on screen, it was just like, yeah, like I got, I got a night, um, I'm, 
very proud of all the work that I've done. It's just a matter of getting it out there to more to more viewers. I'm very grateful for the ones that are that are listening, and I hope to keep them entertained for years to come. Yeah, um, no, I mean, no matter what yeah. the size of your audience, George. Yeah, cater and and make sure you're you're connecting with those people that are currently in front of you and, and, yeah. and uh, consuming your stuff, commenting on it, make sure that you're interacting with them, expressing your ongoing appreciation, thanking them. And that's going to even create a, a stronger bond with them and help them spread the word to other, to other people. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's something that I am, I'm very, very grateful for is for, for the people that have actually given me a shot and wanted to listen and all of a sudden have become subscribers like that. That to me means the world. Yeah. And so, so that is just like, just a mind blowing <laughs> story here. Like I, I, I think that's, I think that's fantastic and de- and yeah. well, well deserved too, because <laughs> you've, you've been working so hard for so long yeah to I, get this kind of to get this kind of attention i'm so glad that you've been able to get it yeah well thank well, thank thank you and i would recommend that people somehow develop the both the and then they talk about the right and left side of the brain or whatever and i i think another thing i benefit from is having this balance between i have i have this free-flowing creative side of me that allows me to do improv where i don't mm-hmm. i can go out and scene and just trust that myself and my scene partner will find will figure out how to make something interesting out of this concept that suggestion we just got from the audience so there's that's kind of a fuzzy thinking definitely creative flowy kind of aspect to the way my mind works but i also have this analytical side that allows me to look at analytics, to, to be able to, to edit and, and structure information into books, into nonfiction books, and also think about marketing. And for some reason, this whole concept of like SEO, which is search engine optimization, like mm-hmm. I just got drilled it into my head years ago that I got to, I just don't randomly title things like, like what are people looking for? Who are going to mm-hmm. want this? If they, if they want to, if this is who's this going to benefit, and what words are they going to be using to search for this thing? And I got to make sure that it reflects that, so that they can find it. So you put yourself in a position to be discovered by the ideal people that you're you're wanting to reach, who will yeah. benefit from it. But so many that's not something that it's, it's just second nature to me now. But it's like foreign <laughs> to a lot of people. It seems. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I think a lot of us like we're all set and everything when it comes to setting up our stage and standing on it and everything and and doing our best performance and that's great and all. But when no one's there to see it, then right. did it really happen? So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so where can, where can my listeners find you on social media? Okay. So the, well, the, 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 the primary platform is YouTube. And so it's just my name. So it's Bob Baker, not Barker. He's the game show host that recently passed away. But mm-hmm. I, it, so it's, it's Baker. Uh, and you, if you actually, if you go to YouTube and you're logged into your account there and just start p- p- putting in my, my name, the first kind of auto suggestion thing will, or will be Bob Baker affirmations. Just click mm-hmm. on that and you can follow the channel or sample some of my stuff. It might help, help you get more positive or whatever. And, there, and there's, I have videos on a whole variety of topics on abundance and success and confidence and gratitude and even health and relationships. And I've got hundreds of them from the last few, few years. So there's no shortage there. Then the podcast is called the affirmation meditation podcast with Bob Baker available on Apple, Spotify, and all the rest. Mm -hmm. It's probably Apple and Spotify are the two biggies for platforms. And then my website for all of this inspirational stuff is my name with the word inspiration. So it's Bob Baker, inspiration.com. 
And so those are the primary places. Uh, I have a website. Well, yeah, promoteyourcreativity.com is more of a, a landing page to get on a, I still do send out things for creative people. It's called the, the creative entrepreneur VIP list or whatever that if, if anyone's interested mm-hmm. in that, where I still, I, I had just, there's a soft spot in my heart for creative folks. I'm always going to speak, speak to, but, but YouTube is much more of a general audience that, and, and it's crazy because yeah, there are people, I didn't realize when I started posting these things that people seek this kind of, that those affirmations out often when they're going through a kind of a, a low point or a dark mm-hmm. time in their yeah. life. And when you, and when, and when you kind of help them rise above that, I mean, they have to do the work, but when you provide a tool that helps them rise above that, there's really a strong connection. And a lot of people like, well, cue up my voice every morning. I mean, there's people mm-hmm. all over the world that say, I listen to you every morning or, you know, whatever, no, that's wake great. up with you. And so, which is very unique compared to other art forms. And so I'm just so blessed. I, I, I count my blessings every day never take this for granted that I've just somehow gotten into a position where I'm able to serve this way and make money. Also support the family through monetizing these videos mm-hmm. and other things that we do to offer things to this audience. And so, yeah, I hope I inspired, we've inspired some people today by sharing this story. Oh, I definitely believe we have. You've definitely inspired me. <laughs> I, I, I know that. And and I hope that that all of you are just as inspired as I am to to really take a look at how you're getting yourself out there and make those proper adjustments. Because if something is not working, then you can always tweak it. You can always utilize the different tools that are out there. Bob is a wonderful facilitator of those tools. So by all means, please go ahead and and subscribe to everything that he has. Follow his podcast, follow his, his YouTube page, get yourself really steeped in what he has to offer because Bob has so much offer doing it for decades he's going to keep on doing it and he is a true gift not only to st louis and it's creative but throughout throughout the world and these tools are what what matter so by all means utilize the tools that you have tweak what needs to be tweaked and get your message out there so for bob baker this is george Soroy saying all of you ever upward and i will see you next week Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Excelsior Journeys. I hope it was both inspiring and entertaining. Special thanks to Zach Comtois for providing new music for the intro and outro. Please take a moment to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to your platform of choice by going to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com.